Why do airlines or electronic companies or financials or even private clubs, why do you guys do it the same way? The industry leaders, the people that we've talked about this afternoon, the apples of the world, they don't care about anybody else, they just care about themselves. From Tallahassee to the Keys and everywhere in between, this is Education Elevated on the FLCMAA Podcast Network. The world is changing fast, and the rock stars of yesterday have lost their way. So, how can you reimagine your club so it doesn't happen to you? Steve Tyant has the answers. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to flip it up. We're going to challenge your thinking, and we're going to talk about what has happened to the rock stars of business. In 1945, a guy by the name of Morris Baker had a vision. And his vision was to buy a fishing camp, sir, in a place no one wanted to go in the Florida Keys and create a club. And here we sit in the number two Club of America, according to the Platinum 150, here at Ocean Reef. So the question I have for all of you is how is this place going to survive for the next 74 years like it has? And how are you going to survive in your organizations until you decide to hang it up. Because you know what? There's a lot of organizations out there that thought they were century, 100-year companies. It didn't work out that way. How about Northwestern Airlines? Anybody familiar with them? Let me see a show of hands. Northwestern Airlines, yeah. Founded in 1926 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 55,000 people were let go in 2008. They couldn't make it happen. They sold to Delta. Delta became the number one largest traveler of 88,000 employees, but 55,000 people are out of work. What happened? Because they flew 757s just like Southwest Airlines, which, by the way, made record profits last year of $1.4 billion. So how is it that one made it and these guys didn't? How is it that Blockbuster, do you guys remember Blockbuster? Wayne Huizinga, right? Wayne Huizinga owns the Marlins and the Dolphins and bought it for $1.2 billion and put all his cash in it and said, this is going to be the wave of the future. And 12 short years later, it was done. How? What happened? And Kodak. I mean, look, they invented the digital camera, you guys. In the 1984 LA Olympics, which are coming back to L.A., by the way, in 2028. They're the main sponsor. 8,500 buses in Los Angeles were wrapped with Kodak. And now they don't exist. So what happened? These guys led their industries. Sears, 48% of the catalog business in 1954. They owned Allstate. They sold it. We should never get out of retail. They bought Dean Witter. They sold it. We should never get out of investment. They owned the Discover card. And they sold it to Citibank because they said there's not going to be a need for credit cards. Let's just focus on craftsmen. 335,000 employees in the Sears Tower in 1976. And they no longer exist. And every Sears executive said, we're in this for the next 100 years. And they're penthouse at 110 floors, right? 
I mean, so what happened? What happened to Pontiac? Pontiac, you guys, they sold 917,000 cars in 1968. What happened to them? They're gone. And how about Checker? Anybody from, uh, been to Chicago recently? Yeah. 64% of the Checker cabs, sir, in Chicago are dormant, are sitting parked idle. And that used to be a business that went from grandfather to dad to kid. And that little medallion on the hood was worth $125,000. And you literally moved it from family to family to family because that's how valuable it was. And now it's worthless. Because no one ever thought that your neighbor is going to pick you up in your driveway, put you in their personal car, talk to you. It's going to be clean. It's not going to smell crappy and take you to wherever you want to go for half the price. No one thought that that was a business model. And then this, this Christmas, right? What happened to these people? I mean, at one point, Toys R Us, anybody remember going to the uh, toy aisle? Yeah, if your kids or grandkids, right? Up and down, what do they want, right? Toys R Us is never going to leave. 46% of the toy market at one point, their height. When they closed, they had a respectable 14.6% of the toy market. And they couldn't make it. Why? Anybody know the answer? Yeah. They didn't think they had to get. You're absolutely right. They didn't think they had to get into the Internet. People are always going to want to buy stuff and put their arms around it. So Walmart went around them and captured the share. So what we're going to talk about today is we're not going to really, we'll talk about a little bit of clubs because I, as, as uh, Beth was nice enough to mention, I was in your business for almost 15 years of my life as a general manager, so I get it. But we're going to learn from the people outside of the, our business. We're going to try to tell some stories about what happened and try to understand the business models that they went through. Because you guys, I don't think Netflix, Netflix killed Blockbuster. You know what I think? Late fees did. Do you remember going back to Blockbuster? With, right? <laughs> Sir, so did, you and I are connected here, right? So I'm Steve. Hey, John. So we went to Blockbuster. What happened when you tried to buy a video? You, so you had the same experience I did. Yeah, well, I was always bringing it back late. Yeah, bring it back late. Or I'd check it out, and they, the lady would go, it's $33.50. I'm like, I'm buying one video or renting one video. She goes, no, sir, your kids brought your video in six days late. I'm like, so it's $33.50? She goes, yeah, that's the price. I said, well, can you help me out here? She goes, just a minute. She went back and talked to some guy, some dude comes back. We cut it to $16.50. Can you do a little bit better than that? Just a minute, right? We, I was in negotiating with the Blockbuster lady about what I'm going to pay. Do you see why that was broke? Right? Of course, yeah. And you know what? I don't, I don't think that Uber killed the taxi business. I really think limited access, stinky cabs, and fare control did. And they were okay with that, you guys, for 70 years. No one thought they had to change. And then we have Apple. And you know, Apple, everybody thought when they came out with, Jobs came out with, you're going to have to buy it. You can buy one song for 99 cents. Everybody laughed at them. Because the rest of the industry, including Tower Records, was forcing people to buy full-length albums. And how about Amazon? Did they really kill retail? Or did the lack of ease and simplicity of buying stuff, did that ruin it? Is it really Apple? Is it really Bezos? Or did he figure out a different way? And finally, we have Airbnb. Are they killing the, did they kill the whole hotel industry? No. 
limited availability and pricing did. At one point, I, uh, I was in the club business and I went to work for a company called Saturn. Did, uh, it was a car company. Did anybody in the room own a Saturn? All oh, three of us, really nice, yeah. That was part of the problem right there. Right there. And, uh, and we're gonna talk a little bit about Saturn and what happened to Saturn as part of General Motors. It was a really, really good concept. Uh, but when I was in between Saturn and what I'm currently doing, I had my own company. I was actually st uh, strategic planning for Weston. Anybody heard of Weston Hotels? And it was during strategic planning, we'd have them all up. We'd have, here's what Marriott's doing, here's what Hyatt's doing, here's what Four Seasons doing. No one in that strategic planning said, hey, should we think about like someday someone's going to check into your house, a house, and sleep on their couch? No one thought about that during those planning sessions. We all thought about what, what's everybody doing in Chicago? What's going on in Miami? What are we going to do in Fort Lauderdale, right? No one thought about, hey, sometime this person's just going to go to your neighbor's house. They're going to check in. They're going to use all their stuff in the fridge. They're going to sit on the couch, and they're going to love it. Really? So did you see what Marriott announced last month? What's Marriott doing? Yeah, they're getting the Airbnb world, right? So this is hard for you to see, but this is the new matrix, you guys. This is where people are headed all across. And the left hand is the performance here, access. The bottom is, let's call it differentiation. Now, for years, we've had the O data, the, do the data that runs our business. But a fascinating thing is happening now in the world, and we're now sitting in the bottom access something called the X data, and that's the experience data. And to help back that up, I was in Salt Lake City in March, and they had one of the first uh, Qualtrics. Anybody use Qualtrics in the room? Have you heard of Qualtrics? It's an experience management company. They do data management. Most of the Fortune 100 now are using Qualtrics to manage their, their X data, if you will. Four years ago, there were 600 people at that convention. This past March, there were 16,000. So we need to really start thinking about, and, and by the way, Brett and Ed, did you guys, were you here for Brett and Ed's presentation? They did an awesome job, didn't they? I don't know if they're here, but it, it was really, really well done. But now what we're seeing where people want to go is up in the right-hand corner, and that is best in class, the industry disruptor, the one everybody's trying to chase. How do we create that, that curiosity where people or members can't wait to get in, right? What is it that we can do next week as leaders of our organization, and if we do what? How do we bring the if to light, the it to light? It's really, really pretty easy. It's about two words, four simple letters. What is it that you can do as leaders of your organization to cause that differentiation, to cause that curiosity? And if we do it, how do we bring it back? So how do we create that attention? To begin with, this is the latest Gallup research. They just finished up with this through the American Satisfaction Index at the University of Michigan. And they asked over 50,000 Americans, how do you feel about your experience? 70% of the Americans out there said their experience is totally, what, Kevin? Forgettable. Forgettable, average, status quo, vanilla, great ice cream flavor, in this case, not so good, right? Just like the rest. 20% of those experiences that people go through are horrible. And only 10% of the experiences people go through every single day in our business and all the rest of the industries that are out there are memorable. So my question for you are, how do we, how do we get to the 10%? Because if you're a 90% organization, 70% forgettable, 20% horrible, 90%, what becomes most important to our members, anybody? Yeah, what they pay. Price, why? 
because we've literally forced them into that. There's nothing left to get excited about. And as we learned earlier, golf is down. So what are we going to do? You can have, right? We have the visions, the missions, all. How are we going to create that differentiation? So I need to borrow something um, personal of someone in the room. Something that's really important to you, not your cell phones. Something other than the cell phones. What else? Something that's really, really important. This gentleman is willing to give me his wedding ring. Wow, aren't you? Scott. Yeah, very beautiful. Really nice. Yeah. <laughs> How important is it to you, Scott, right? Thank you. It's beautiful. Wow. What else do we have? I'm Steve. Hi. Hi. Nadine. Nadine, nice being you. That is a beautiful watch. That is a, a Rolex. What do you do for a living, ma'am? <laughs> Get from your husband. Can I see it? Do you mind? Wow, this is beautiful. Look at this. There's not a scratch on this, is there? This is gorgeous. Rolex. Wow. A gift from your husband. Oh, there's an inscription on the back too, Miguel. Look. See that? I'm going to read it here for everybody. Dear Pookie Bear. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Does not say that, no. So this is a gift for what? Well, how did you, you get this watch? Your 40th birthday. Awesome, right? Congratulations. I won't ask you how many more how many years ago that was though, Nadine, because I know that's our secret, right? So this is a beautiful watch, Kevin. Yes, I love it. Very nice. Very nice, right? Very nice. Yeah, beautiful. Keeps great time. Rolex. Wow, look at this. See any problems with the watch? Yeah. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna take Nadine's watch, we're gonna put in this um in this napkin here, just to make sure Ken, just make sure it's still in there. So nothing happens because based on this, you don't garden with this watch on, do you? You don't. You don't garden at all. <laughs> Change oil in your car, right? Nothing like that. <laughs> so just because it's important, do you take it off in the bedstand and polish it once in a while and take good care of it? Yeah. Right. So we're gonna um, we're gonna put in this baggie and I put it in a napkin that the that the uh, group here gave me. So just to make sure you're comfortable, make sure it's still there, right? Okay. Yeah, still there. Right, Miguel, still there. So I live in Appleton, Wisconsin. Does anybody know what famous magician is from Appleton? Houdini, yes, he grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin. There's a museum there, and if you go to the museum forever, there's a cool exhibit about all his tricks unveiled. So you guys got to go and check it out. It's pretty cool, right? The water thing that he did. This is a trick that um, I've been studying for a long time, and this is the first time I'm doing this in public because I'm with my own, with my own family, right? So I thought, Nadine, if it's okay with you, I would try it out, right? I practiced this at home a number of times, first time here. You see, Nadine's watch is just like your organizations. You guys love where you work or you wouldn't do it. 60, 65 hours, 70 hours, holidays. I know the drill. You go through all of that, right? For the members and the people that you serve. Just like her watch, she protects her watch. She cares about her watch. She polishes her watch. She doesn't garden or oil change with her watch or break rocks with her watch, right? She's always taking care of her watch. But along the way, people don't subscribe. So Nadine, this is a rubber mallet that the maintenance guys gave me here. It's 16 ounces, so it's pretty small, right? And along the way, they take your organization, in this case, let's call it Nadine's watch, and they don't believe. Right? It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. What's your husband's name? 
George. Is George a big guy? No, OK. <laughs> Good. I got Miguel, too. Miguel now, right? And once in a while, you have people that are actively disengaged in your business. You know who they are, right? And regardless of the mission, the values, whatever the vision that you have, they will take your brand, your company, and let's see how we did. So I'm going to go over here by Miguel. Let's see how we did, Miguel, with Nadine's watch that she's protected all these years. Nadine, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, it didn't work so good, Miguel. Would you, would you, where's Beth? Is Beth in here? Do you guys give watches away for anniversaries? Or anything like that, right? Miguel, do me a favor. Just go ahead and pass that over there. Don't go, don't go to her. We'll just, here. Yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll just give it to Ken and, yeah, don't get too close. <laughs> And what you treasure, what you care about, what's, what you rally about is gone. We'll work out the watch afterwards, okay? <laughs> it's gone. And it happened that fast. And you thought everything was fine, Mr. Sears. You thought everything was going great, Mr. Blockbuster. You thought you are going to be in business forever, Mr. Northwest Airlines. And it's over. And it happened. And how, how long was that? About 10 seconds, right? Now. There's a couple ladies. In fact, this lady, what was your name? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this lady right here wants to put me in a, she wants to put me in a trunk, right, right now. But I got a little secret. I switched watches with Nadine before we started. That was an Academy Award, wasn't it? Let's put our hands together for Nadine. Well done. No, you get to keep that as a lovely parting gift of today. So you guys, it's everywhere, right? I'm flying out of Des Moines, Iowa the other day. There's anybody from Des Moines? Nice little airport, regional airport about this size. Gates all the way around the outside, just like we have these doors all the way around. 2.30 in the afternoon, they announced my name. Steve Tank, please go to gate 36. Steve, gate 36. What do you immediately think? It's 2.30 in the afternoon. Oh, no. They found the Swiss Army watch, and I got uh, the Swiss Army knife. I thought I got without it, right? No, I said, oh, no, something's happened. So I got up, and I went to gate 36, and there's this really nice lady at gate 36, and she's on the computer like this. And I said, hi, I'm Steve. And she goes, Steve. And I said, yeah, you just announced my name. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Without hesitation, she looked at me. She said, sir, how much do you weigh? You guys ever had that in an airport? Someone asked you? First time for me, too. I said, how much do I weigh? I said, why do you need to know that? She said, because we want to put, a, put enough fuel on the plane. <laughs> Stupid passenger man. I, if it just wasn't for these passengers, I could get my job done, right? And I thought about it for about three seconds, and I looked at her and I said, lady, just fill up the damn plane. Why are we worried about this? And as I'm walking back to my seat, it occurred to me, someone on my flight's going to lie about their weight. We're going to crash into Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> And I'm never going to see my family again, right? That is what's happening every day out there, right? You go through a fast food. On the way here, we, were, um, we had to go through a fast food place. And I went to this, uh, you guys know these places. There's 14,800 of these around the country. I get to window one, and there's this lady behind the window. And I said, hi. She goes, opens it up. She goes, hello. And I said, um, 
uh, like a large, first she said, she looked at me, she goes, kelp ya. I said, kelp, what does that mean? Does anybody know what that means? Is that like, welcome to my fast food restaurant, really excited that you're here, thanks for coming, sir. I said, yeah, you can kelp me, I like a large coffee too, with two creams. She said, at 106, I gave her the money, she says, then go to window three, I go to window three, and nothing happens, right? You're waiting, and you see a lot of people scurrying around and stuff happening, I'm like, Finally, I'm about ready to pull away to a BP gas station because they have coffee. I can serve myself. The quality's pretty good, right? So I'm about ready to pull away, and I see the Kelpie lady coming towards me. You guys remember Chariots of Fire? Na 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 na, right? Na na na. She opens up window three. She shoves it out, and what does she say to me? Just a couple days ago. No, there you go. So let's remember what happened, right? Kelpia. 106, there you go. How did we do? Like, someone help me understand that when you start at this place, it's like, hey, welcome to my fast food restaurant. Uh, when you come in, here's a training manual, which is 11,260 pages. When you come in, just say Kelpia. <laughs> right? Really? Just say Kelpia? Is that easy? It's everywhere, you guys. This word should never be used in our business. Ever, ever, ever. Do you ever want to hear this word? Use this word. Do you guys know what this word is? We avoid it at all costs, right? Especially in the kitchen. That word is fine. Fine equals satisfied. Satisfied equals death to you and your organization. This is from Kim Pasquale. Do you all know Kim? Yes. I love Kim. Yeah, she's not here, but she's awesome. I'm in a group with Kim. This is the latest trend data, and I apologize the red's hard to see, but you guys can make it out. This is the, the latest trend data for clubs based on your size. So you're going to have to look where you are if you're the small or the lower. But if you add up everything, either status quo or less, every category is down 70%. Every one. Now, you're probably the exception to the rule. But there's a lot of fine going on, you guys. So what can we do? What can we learn? We can learn that communication is important. This is uh, my... My friend Suzanne, she worked in an attorney's office for uh, 23 years and decided to retire. They throw a party on a Friday and they invite me down to that. And they said, what kind of cake do you want with chocolate cake, white frosting? What would you like the inscription to read? We'd like the words, best wishes, Suzanne. Underneath that, we'd like the words, we will miss you. <laughs> I know it's Wisconsin. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's Wisconsin. But no one checked the cake. And I said, oh, my gosh, don't take a picture. I mean, don't cut it. i got to take a picture, right? I don't know why it's happening. But what we do know, this is the latest Wall Street Journal, New York Times information. Internet is causing more loneliness amongst people. As uh, Brett talked about earlier and Ed, there's a lot of reasons to use the Internet. There's 313 million of us using it every day. But what we do know is it's causing a lot of loneliness. In fact, they thought that just the opposite was going to happen, and people are substituting weaker social ties for stronger ones. In fact, they're substituting conversations on very narrow topics with complete strangers as compared to people who can make a difference in their lives. No one seems to be talking about this. No one seems to be talking about the challenge that this is having for all of us, right? So das here's what happens. This here is the wichtigste Gerät des Küstenwächter. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebensradar. Can you hear us? Can you... Over. Give me 
We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. We are sinking. We're sinking. What are you thinking about? Right? We're not talking. I mean, right? It gets all messed up along the way. You guys, this is what's happening. This is the latest Nielsen information out of Madison. Right here, right? This is Nielsen. So what they have found, they've been doing this for years and years and years, and they gave people this, this list, and they asked, like, why do you buy, right? And they did it by generation for the first time ever. And they thought just the opposite was going to happen. They thought the boomers and the silent generation, number one, would be recommendations from people I know, and just the opposite happened. Look at the millennials and the Gen X, the Zs, right? Number one for all of us, let's call it word of mouth or what club should I belong to? Or, uh, you know, Ed told me to go this one, so where's where I'm going to go? But we spend billions, you guys, billions on this, billions, and we spend nothing on that. When's the last time you really had a strategy about what people say about you person to person? It doesn't matter where you live. The same thing is true if you're from Europe or the Middle East or Latin America. All the same, right? 85%, 78 in Europe. Number one, how people feel what they say. So what is it that really stands in the way of our success? Well, here's my take on it. Here's what they taught us to do in school. Undergrad, MBA, right? They say, too many look inside out. Look to your competition. Try to steal everything you can from their competition. Hire their people and bring it all and it'll work. And we know... If you always do what you always did, you're always going to get what you always got. And we know that the key to the game is disrupting. So we're going to talk about organizations on the screen. When I was with Saturn, I was lucky enough, and past Saturn, I was lucky enough to study all these companies, to go to these organizations, to be a part of them. And we wanted to know how if you ask any American today where you go unaided for healthcare, 19% of Americans immediately say Mayo Clinic. Here's a crazy thing. They don't add, have an advertisement. They don't have a marketing department. They have one guy. His name is Ken Seltman. He's the chief marketing officer, and he's a department of one. So how did they do it? Because 19% of Americans would immediately say that place. We wanted to know how do these people right here went from number 14 to number 7 to number 1, outpacing Delta, United, and all the rest as the largest domestic car carrier in the United States of America. How did they do it? They didn't want to be big. We wanted to know how these people... In Cupertino, California, you have 14,000 MP3 players available to you between retail and internet in a variety of rainbow of colors. And 72% of the market share is still in that little place called Apple. How did they do it? Because to that, this day, it still exists. How did Whole Foods take a 768-person grocery store, and there's a lot of grocery stores to choose from, and sell to Amazon and Bezos for $3.6 billion. How did that happen? We're going to talk about all of these organizations, and we're going to try to figure out what they're doing. So to begin with, we got to look outside in. We can't look inside out anymore. we got to ask the tough questions. Why do you exist? No, I know, I know we're in the club business. But why do you exist? What would happen if you didn't exist? Would people riot and picket and throw Molotov cocktails to somehow keep you in business? Or would they say, oh, well, there's another choice? And then finally, why do we do it the way we do it? So I'd like to share with you a quick video. I originally, this isn't in your packet. I added this after listening this morning to everybody's presentation. I thought you'd get a kick out of it. We're not going to watch the whole thing. 
but it's it's pretty interesting. It's uh, by with Ashton Kutcher. Have you heard of Ashton Kutcher? Anybody? He's one of the. He's obviously a Hollywood star, but he's also one of the industry moguls now for investments. And Stephen Colbert. Let's take a look. Folks, my first guest tonight is an actor, a producer, and a Twitter pioneer who now stars in the Netflix series The Ranch. Please welcome Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> How's your, how's your summer going so my far? It's going amazing. Yeah? Yeah, it's incredible. My wife was working on a movie in Atlanta. Bill Kunis, lovely yeah, 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 that's her. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so I got to spend the last two months in Atlanta just running after the kids and that's nice. hanging out. Yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you enjoy any of the, of the, the regional food that uh, Georgia allows? I gained like 10 pounds. <laughs> like for real. That's Georgia. Between that and the beer. It's funny. When you don't work all day, you can drink beer in the middle of the day. And it's awesome. I look forward <laughs> to it. And I found, and it's right here. I'm keeping it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you something here. Uh, I got a question for you. You've invested in Uber, Spotify, Warby Parker, Airbnb, Skype. Um, you like to uh, support uh, new technologies that allow people to communicate and have commerce in new ways. Right. What, what, like if I had a new idea, what are the questions that you would be asking me about my product? Like, what do you need to know before you go, yeah, Kutcher's in? My biggest thing is like founders first. So I, I want to know that. What's that founders first? What do you mean? Yeah. So I, I believe that the founders of the company, because I'm usually investing really early stage when it's like two guys, a dog, and a PowerPoint presentation. Like Airbnb, so, you jumped in early on that, right? Yeah. I think there were like 20 or 30 employees when I invested. It was like probably four or five years ago or something. Yeah. But, the, but I want to know that the idea is audacious and that it's something that has like a gigantic total addressable market. Um, I usually like it when at first it doesn't land in your ear right. Like it, it almost needs to seem nonsensical. Like the idea that people are just going to sleep on people's couches and like everyone's going to be cool with that is like was kind of crazy. Is that the crazy. one that surprised you the most? Because of all these things, because so many of these things that you've invested in have been successful, is there, is, is there one that took off and you go like, that kind of even surprises me? I mean, I, Airbnb is shocking. To me, Uber was shocking. The fact that like er, like everybody was going to pay a little more to ride in a black car. I was like, don't we just want to get there? Like, and then all of a sudden, it turns into this juggernaut. And, but there's even stuff like you know, there's a company called Acorns that we just in, invested. Acorns. In. Acorns. Okay. And and this company's amazing. Like it's it's basically like a tip jar for your spending. So. When you spend, you round it up, you tip it, and you tip it into Acorns, and then it, it invests it for you in like an intelligent, balanced portfolio. Wait a second. So I, uh, so I, what happens? <laughs> Do you, yeah. I didn't even hear the beginning. The beginning of the end. So I'm spending money with my phone. I'm using it. Ra it, it rounds up whatever your expenses are to the nearest dollar. So literally, like I go buy a coffee or something. Yeah, and, it, and then say it's like you know. One sixty-five. It'll take the other thirty-five cents, and it immediately puts it into your Acorns account, and then it, and then it basically like starts to diversify and build up a savings portfolio for you. What if I were to pitch an idea to you? Tell me what you think about this idea. Okay, it's called. It's a it's a system that I'm working on. It's a, a communications technology company called Flirpy. Okay, <laughs> and in Flirpy, what you do is that you have you have some sort of sensor in your body. 
that's always checking on your health, like what your temperature is, you know, your endocrine system. And if I get sick, it sends a signal. I don't even have to tell you. It just sends a signal to my friends going, hey, Steven's not feeling well. He's got a fever. Maybe he's feeling a little flirpy. And, and then people are like, people always say, like, if I'd known you were sick, I would have brought you soup or something. And suddenly, soup. I don't even have to ask for it. Flirpy. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. You're I'm totally in. in. I love so what can we learn from Ashton, who, by the way, is leading the world from an investment standpoint, brilliant man. What can we learn from these ideas, you guys? Well, first of all, imagine. Imagine that two years from now, the New York Times writes an article about you and your club, and it talks about the success that you've had. What does the headline read? And if you can't answer that question, you need to spend some, we need to spend some time with the teams really talking about it. So what does the headline read? Stays in business, changes the club world. How does it go? Like, what is the vision other than we're just going to keep doing what we're doing because we know 90% doesn't allow for that. If you have trouble with it, take a look at this tool. Our blank is the only blank that does this. Can you answer that question for your club? Our blank is the only blank that does this, right? So here's with Weston. Here, I told you a little about Weston. Here's what we did. There's three ways to break it down. One is your basic product here, satisfaction, and then what we're calling is attachment, customer member attachment. In the 60s, prior to 1964, when Wilson invented Holiday Inn, people stayed in people's homes and strip motels. And then Wilson had this great idea of not only are we going to give people a clean room, but then we're also going to put soap and shampoo in every room, and it changed the industry. People went, whoa you got to go to a Holiday Inn. They give you free soap and shampoo. No, free soap and shampoo. Yeah, free. My grandfather would steal all the soap, right? Because you never had to buy soap again. It was like a life-changing moment. The attachment was when you checked in, you had black and white television and you had an outdoor pool or indoor pool until they came up with holodomes. In the 80s, here's what I want you to see. Everything moves left, you guys. So what used to be cool, what used to be industry leading, what used to be out there changing the way people did business is now becoming a basic product. And now we have free HBO, coffee pot and microwave, room and hair dryer uh, in, in the room, donuts and coffee. Hey, I went down to the front desk, Scott, and they had donuts, free donuts. Free? Yeah, man, free donuts. No, you, gotta, you, had, you, had, you, you should have paid for them. No, I'm telling you, it was free. Crazy right changes. 2019, look what we have now. Everything moves left. So if you don't believe, you're going to have to catch up. If you don't believe that this trend is happening, you're going to eventually be done. And those organizations that we had on the screen were ones that, no, 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 we can stay exactly who we are. No front desk we have for the Hyatts. We have breakfast on the go. We have for the Weston now, pack, light, stay fit. If you check into Weston and you forget your running stuff, they'll bring it to your room. Let you use a pair of shoes and keep your, your shorts. App, I check into a Hyatt Texas, a college station in Texas. They're like, hey, can I have your smartphone? Like my smartphone? Yeah. What do you need my smartphone with? I'm going to put your room key on it. What? Room key? That's crazy. And then if you check into Holiday Inn in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Anybody been there? Eau Claire, a nice college town. Yeah. Tom's been there. You check in there, Tom. The front desk lady goes, sir, would you like foam or feather? Foam or feather? College town, I didn't know what was going on, right? She goes, foam or feather pillow. You want a foam or feather pillow? How's it going to go? 
So as you move forward in your leadership, you have to know that everything is continually moving left. No one talked about these people. No one talked about what's going to happen if these crazy people come in and say, people are going to start saying on our couches. No one thought about that. No one thought that that's even a possibility. So what is it for us? What could happen? Now, I want to share with you, and some of you may have seen this. This is Marriott's latest commercial. It's been out about four months, five months. There's literally nothing left to work on, you guys. And this is what they're coming up with. So we're going to need a little volume, um, German, on this, if you will. It would be great if human beings were great at being human. And if all of mankind were made up of kind women and kind men, it would be wonderful if common knowledge was knowledge commonly known. And if the light from being enlightened into every heart was shown, it would be glorious if neighbors were neighborly and indifference a forgotten word. It would be awesome if we shared everything and being greedy was absurd. It would be spectacular if the golden rule was golden to every man. And the good things that we ever did was everything that we can. Treating others like we'd like to be treated has always been our guiding principle. So this is the branding campaign for Marriott and its entire umbrella of companies for the next two years. What did you notice? Anybody? Nothing about the hotel. Go ahead. Yeah. Nothing about the amenities. Nothing about the mattress. Nothing about the food and beverage. It was about what, Heather? It was about relationships and what else? People and emotion. They've run out of ideas. The, the, the mattress isn't going to work anymore. The special little food thing that they give isn't going to work anymore. The mints on the pillow isn't going to work anymore, right? Because it's become a basic product. Everything has shifted. So they're starting to run for their lives because they're trying, to, they're trying now to catch up. Take a, take a look. I'm going to show you three videos, by the way. Take a look at this one from Travelers. This is the home you're going to grow up in. Like it? In this small house made of brick and stone Built on laughter and all our dreams and hopes In this small house together we have grown Made a family, made us all a mentioned about a policy the stop loss that you're gonna to have to pay your deductible the quick how quickly we turn around uh, claims no it talked about life it talked about the journey that we all have and it talks about the experience that we're going through together travelers right people don't buy what we do you guys they buy why we do it 
And do you know what your why is? Yes, ma'am. Did everybody hear what she said? Here, I'm going to give you the microphone here so you can. Sorry, it's kind of attached to me here, so. We don't have an extra one, do we? Oh, here's one. We'll give you your own. Thank you. Go ahead. So I've been studying Tesla, and Tesla said, if you want to know the secrets to the universe, think in terms of energy and vibration. So when you look at human emotions, jealousy, anger, competition, low vibration. If you want people to be attracted to your product, speak in terms of love, empathy. That's a vibrational, Impression. it's a vibrational match to attract them to your product. So yes, having good products, that's one thing, but when you connect on a level that's at the highest vibration, they can't explain why they're drawn to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, thanks, Jeremy. So, I want to share with you a uh, video right now. Um, some of you have seen it before. It was the second video that was ever created for Apple. The reason I want to share with you, the first video was when they threw the sledgehammer at Super Bowl into the screen. You all remember that, right? This is the second video. The reason why this is so important is because everybody laughed at Steve Jobs for this video. Fifth Avenue laughed. Wall Street laughed. Everybody laughed. Remember when Jobs came out with this, he had a product that no one wanted to buy. No one needed a home computer. Everybody's like, why do we want a home computer? Like, I'm never going to need a home computer. IBM needs home computers, but what the heck am I going to do with a home computer, right? So I want to share with you this video. Take a look and, and see what he's trying to tell us, what the story is trying to tell us. Here's to the crazy ones. The misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them, because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. You guys remember that? Pretty powerful. So you guys were bored. Every one of us is completely bored. And we are searching for organizations to be attached to. But I'm not going to be attached to the hamburger. I'm not going to be attached to the green. I'll be attached to the legacy of that because my parents were part of it or grandparents. But if you can correct, connect with me on an emotional level, you get my business because everybody's doing it the same. People are so easy to beat because there's so much status quo out there. Everybody's a 90%. If you can connect somehow with me emotionally, that, that does it differently. So we're going to share with you a model, a couple of models, that'll help like, put this in perspective. 
The first is on the screen. We all have a basic product. Without that basic product, we go away. Without a, a bed in a hotel, people don't stay. If you're a golf club and you've got to close the, the golf course, it's over. Once you provide that, an interesting thing happens with your members, and Brett talked about it earlier this morning, they start having additional expectations. So now people have to smile. It has to be clean. It has to be timely. Someone has to recognize them when they come in. And this is where the majority of people spend their energy, just accomplishing those two things, rallying around those two things. Let's call that being satisfied. We think, and we know, studying these other organizations, that there's a whole other ring out there. It's much larger, and it's more impactful. And it's the 10% that we talked about. So rather than going like they taught us in school, basic product out, so let's get our basic product, then do the expectation, and then go to the next circle. And some of you call that wow. Some of you call that exceeding expectations. right? Whatever you call it, you need to start to work the other way. And that's what these, precisely what these people like Tesla and other organizations are doing, right? This is an example of a clue. This is a club that you all know. This is registration at a club. When you go to these organizations or when you go to the situation, how does, how does that make you feel, by the way? Adjective, one word. Describe how you feel right now. Go ahead, Cindy. I just think it's hysterical. Hysterical, okay. One word. Excluded, Excluded thank you. One word. Adjective. Upset. Upset. Unwanted. Unwanted. Dismissed. Dismissed, right? I mean, there's a lady that worked behind that screen that's been there for 24 years in that club. She has a very green thumb. Look at how beautiful the plant is, right? <laughs> she has all her stuff here, all of her books and all that, right? But no one had ever registered from the member's point of view, right? This is a, a hospital, a healthcare. Hard to see, right? Very, is that welcoming? Inviting? No, you're going, you're going in for surgery. It's very stressful, right? Look at the little window of space you have to talk to this person. I'll give you a little close-up there, right? With a nice instruction of how you have to roll, right? Have your driver's license, your insurance card. Clue. Anybody want to tell me what this, this is? This is a club, a private club. Sorry? A diner? Medina, Medina Country. How did you know that? You know Robert. So if you pull in the gates of Medina Country Club, 1924 it was established, U.S. Open, Ryder Cup, all the, the big ones, right? You pull in underneath the gate, you look to the right, you will see a chicken coop as a clue. Visibly, it's not hidden behind the, where the lawn, right? The greens are, right? It's right there, everybody can see it. Chickens running around, 40 different chickens all over the place. By the way, they also have, uh, they're growing all their own lettuce and they're growing corn, right? They're growing all sorts of stuff as well. Sorry, I clicked that early. So, what is the clue? This is Medina, this is, huh? Everything's fresh. Fresh. Proper, right? Different? 10%, 70%, 20%, 10 right? Different. They do all their own bees like Brett does, right? They have, um, uh, they, they have their own maple syrup that they grow, right? Now, I know it's Chicago, right? But it's Chicago. It's zero in Chicago. They have a system in their dining room that grows their own lettuce. And during, like we had today, a little station, a buffet station, you walk up and someone cuts your lettuce for you, E. coli free, right? You don't get any E. coli with that. They put it in your plate and you get to eat harvested, 
fresh lettuce that isn't four weeks old from Salinas Valley, California. It's fresh, it was grown in Medina, in their place. I mean, it's a completely different clue. It's really easy to be the best at what you do. It's really hard to appear that way. There are three different types of clues that you can focus on. Operational clues, goods or services, do you have a yes or no? Do you have a hamburger, yes or no? Do you have a pool, yes or no? Do you have shuffleboard, yes or no? Environmental clues, those are all the stimuli associated with things, the five senses that people are going through as they enter into your space. And finally, the cultural clues, everything associated with people, all the stimuli. So the key is to understand these three clues, and I'll show you how to do that. This is, our, according to these people, it's the number one university in America. I'm walking along, and I see this sign, and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not going there. Whatever at all costs. I'm not going to emergency diseases, right? They have $20 billion in their endowment, so they can afford signs. What do I do with that sign? Like, look at genetics. Do I skip and then left at the... How does this work, right? I mean, physio, do I run and stop and then step and then jump and then take a left at emergency? How does this all go? This is Harvard, you guys. Harvard University. So when people start putting up signs in your organization, the waitress, the, the server, the chef, whatever, they're telling clues, they're giving people instructions that your members don't want to go through. It's a clue that says, this is not a friendly place. Clue. Now, has anybody ever gone to emergency room? Red a good color? No, no Dave, red, right? Note, let's take a look at the clues, you guys, right? They didn't have scissors, so they ripped it. And then they spilled coffee, and they said, what the hell? And then they outlined everything in red, like not even nicely in red, right? Like some, I mean, this is an emergency room, so imagine you're walking in with your loved one, like it's gonna be okay, little Johnny, it's gonna be okay, little Lucy. It's gonna pay no attention to this sign, these people really know what they're doing here, let's keep going, <laughs> right? This is everywhere, you guys, everywhere. Please ring the bell, have a seat in the waiting room. We'll be with you shortly. Yes, we know you're here. Then why do I need the damn bell? And as I turn the corner, here's what I saw. There's a hallway, right? There's a hallway here. This is recent. This isn't 1973. This is recent stuff. Clues. Clues go off. We all have clues. Every one of us. Once a clue goes off, once you, sh you shape it, an emotion happens. From that emotion, it's like an indelible Sharpie in your brain. And people will make one of three decisions. You will either be 70% like the rest. Oh, well, I'm bored. Let's look for their options. Let's clip the coupons. I'm upset. Never happened the way they said it was. Or 10%. How do you want it to go? Now, with clues, you can either leave them to chance or you can orchestrate them. The higher the risk, the more clue sensitive your members are. Are we in a high risk business? Yeah, people are giving us like $50,000. Brett talked about it earlier. They're giving us their money up front and saying, here, do what you want with it. High risk. Healthcare, high risk. Yeah, where else do you take your clothes off for complete strangers? There's only a couple places in the world where that happens, right? <laughs> Healthcare is one of them. It's high risk stuff, you guys. So how do you want this to go? Here's, a, here's another clue. This is my grocery store at home. How, how does it make you feel? You pull in, right? If I don't, if I'm not interested in salt, cat litter, I don't know what that stuff is. 
or washer fluid, I keep going, right? They think this is, I mean, but it shows like it's dirty, right? It's not organized. This is payroll in a club. How do you guys feel? I mean, adjectives, right? Imagine you're a new employee and you're like, you're giving a tour like, oh, that's payroll. I'm never getting paid, right? So I went to the lady, I went to the accountant, and I was like, hey, you know, maybe we want to organize stuff a little bit. She goes, Steve, don't judge your thing. I know where everything is. I mean, look at how, this. Did you guys look at this for, for a second? Look at how her, her cups are organized and her office supplies are organized and then everything else, right? Clue. It, it happens, right? It's going off. Kansas City, Missouri. They invited us down. They said, go around. Uh, by the way, a brilliant man, 1100 bed hospital. Dr. Jim, he's a neurosurgeon. He's also the president of the hospital. He said, Steve, just write down everything. We want all the clues. So we leave after three hours talking to Dr. Jim. I like, walk down the hall, take a left, take a right, and we were faced with this at 11.15 in the morning. I was like, hey, you guys, I think we may have found something. I don't know. This is admissions, right? So look at, like, sorry, we're out to lunch. Look at the clues. Like, she wasn't happy with the printout, so she got the Sharpie, right? We'll be back at 1. It's 11.15. By the way, if you're scheduled for any diagnostic testing, it's your responsibility, conscientious, not my job, man. So I went back to Dr. Jim. I'm like, Dr. Jim, Dr. Jim, come with me. i got to show you something. He goes, Steve, we're just together for three hours. I'm like, come on, man. Put on your tie. Your shirt. Let's go. Let's go. So we walk up, and I'm with Dr. Jim. And I'm standing, and I'm looking, and they're like, Dr. Jim, what do you think? And what was his reaction? Yeah. He was like, what? I was like, What? What if you waited three months or three weeks or three days or three hours for an appointment, Dr. Jim, and this is how you were greeted? And his reaction was amazing. He said, you know, I've walked by this my entire life, and I've never noticed it. So you guys, for the next 40 minutes or so, what, I'm gonna, what we're going to talk about is not meant to offend anybody. But when you do a job for a long period of time, you get stuck. We all get stuck. You get in a rut. You don't see things because you've been doing it the same way for so long. And it's not a criticism. It's how human behavior works. So, by the way, I checked on this. Um, the lady that sits in this chair, she had to take her son to the doctor. No one was there to cover. So what did she do? She took the vision in her own hand, put up the frog thing, hoping you're going to feel better about it, and then made her posters and went on her way. <laughs> right? Smash the watch. She smashed the watch. So... Here's the key to the kingdom, and here's what we realized, and here's what we looked at, and here's how Mayo Clinic does it, and here's how Apple does it, and here's how the rest of them are doing it. They look at the operations, and that's where the trust and confidence is built, but it's all logical, you guys. Do you have this product, yes or no? It's all rational and very calculated. It creates satisfaction. Satisfaction isn't bad, except that someone's always going to be cheaper, and if you're not the cheapest, you will lose. The business model of you know what, we're as good as everybody else will no longer work in this world because someone will always be cheaper even if they go bankrupt after a couple of years. The key is somehow you need to go above and go into the attached world. The only way you can do that isn't through the hamburgers. It's not through the caddy. It has to happen through the environment that you create which creates expectations and value in the minds of our members and the assurance and empathy through our people. That's where you go to the feeling, she was talking about earlier, and that's where you go to the emotion. Because you go way beyond logical, you go into like this really weird, beyond rational understanding. 
You don't know what happened to you, you can't explain it, but you loved it and you can't wait to do it again. It wasn't because, oh, that was the greatest hamburger I've ever had in my life. You forget. It's the lady that connected with you. So uh, my family and I came down, this is a true story about this place. Is anybody that works here, here? So you guys have to be commended. We took uh, our family uh, a night ago to um, a restaurant. It's called the Raw Bar. You guys been to this restaurant, by the way? If you haven't been, you got to go. It's awesome. And I have a grandson with me, and he left his, his elephant, his little toy elephant, on the table. And we checked out, and we left, and we're driving back to our place right here, you know. And all of a sudden, I see, like, this Bell car behind me. It's a white Honda minivan. It says Bell Staff on it. And he pulls up next to us, and he rolls down the window, and he goes, you forgot this, the elephant. How would we have lived without the elephant? I don't know. But it was amazing, right? And it had nothing to do with the food. Well done, by the way. Thank you. Put your hands together for these guys, everybody. Well done. It had nothing to do with the hamburger. I can't even remember what I ate. It was good, but I can't remember anything about it. But I'll remember the elephant for the rest of my life, right? Because it was this. It was here. And now I had the assurance, right? So how can we continue with that? This is clues. When you guys get this sentence, tell me what it says. Anybody? Let's see how good clue seekers you are. Anybody? Go ahead. People make their meaning. Is there anybody in the room? Here, I'll give you one more shot here. Is there anybody in the room who does not agree that that's what that's? Let me see a show of hands. Anybody that that's not what it is? People make their meaning. I'm sorry, you're all wrong. Synapses wire, and when they wire, when they wire, they fire, right? They fire and they're wiring in our heads, and we jump to conclusions. We jump to know the answer. So I want to show you a video. Watch what they did when they changed the clues. They altered the clues in this physical space, and watch the reaction.
so for years, they tried to get people to take the stairs. No one would take the stairs. They had a person down there trying to direct them that way. They put up signs. They tried to incentivize it. Nothing worked. They changed the environment. They created a clue that was unique and different. And all of a sudden, two-thirds of those people in Sweden at that, at that train station decided to, to go that direction. We're going to talk about some, and you may have a favorite company on here that you guys want to talk about. I'm happy to talk about any of them, but... Here's what we took away from the all these organizations. We took away that each one of them independently without knowing it, from a strategy standpoint, understands the outcomes to their customer's experience before it happens. Do you? Every one of these organizations can emotionally tell themselves, as well as the people that work there, how people are going to feel about interacting with them from location to location, person to person. Every single one of them has a strategy. So their strategy has become word of mouth, how people talk and how we can attach to that 10%. I'll explain, I'll explain what I mean. This is the glass Cuban apple. For Apple, for those of you that have been to Manhattan, you've seen it. Rather than building up, jobs built down. Do, do you all know where this is? Like, like F.E.O. Schwartz is right over here, and over here is the Plaza Hotel, right? Right in fifth. He decided to build down, why? Does anybody know why he decided to build down? Sorry? More intimate, yes, space, yeah. Different, absolutely. And you could focus on the clues. So look at the clues here. When you go to this, this retail space, tell me the adjectives that are going off in your head right now. What is it describing for you? Anybody? Clean? No distractions, right? Does anybody see where to check out? Does anybody see a banner that says 50% off? Does anybody see a brochure rack? Does anybody see the normal stuff that you see in a retail environment? And by the way, this is the highest producing retail environment in the world at $6,200 per square foot. Tiffany's is about $3,500. Best Buy is like $80. So per square foot, that's what this place generates, right? The, uh, the stairway was designed so you don't see it. It was patented by Jobs. He actually designed it. And you'll notice that it feels different. Some of you are going to say kind of sterile. But the focus is on the product, not the environment. If something breaks in this place, you bring it to the genius bar. Not the service and repair shop. Not your stupid, you don't know how to work your computer shop. The genius bar. You're a genius, right? And you go to a bar. We all love bars, right? Especially in Wisconsin. If you've been to Wisconsin, you know we love bars, right? You can sit there and you pull up a chair... And 60% of the time, a fellow customer solves your issue. You don't even interact with a guy in a red shirt. Now compare that model to this model. What happened to us? Hmm. Yeah, maybe if you want to just click it, right? Thanks. Sorry. Start over, huh? Uh-oh. We're stuck. Got it? Okay, great. So compared to this model, this is Best Buy, your neighborhood Best Buy. If your stuff breaks, you go here. Where do you stand? Here, there, 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 Kelpia, right? <laughs> I'm standing in line right here. Hey, my stuff is broke. Maybe I want to buy a dehumidifier. That's a really, really good idea. These people are bankrupt. 
These people at one point, like there's almost a trillion, right? Like almost a trillion dollars in the bank and Swiss bank accounts. What model works? What clue works? What business model should we be following? And if you look at Apple, right? What Jobs helped us all understand, because believe it or not, Saturn, for those of the Saturn lovers, Saturn had the first in-dash connected MP3 player capabilities out of all the cars. The L series, we could push, we could take the iPod, plug it in the dash, and it worked, and no one else thought it was gonna happen, right? Mercedes, BMW, no, 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 we don't wanna do that. So Saturn, so we were actually out there uh, checking this out, and they helped us understand that the, the X journey, and the X journey for, for Jobs was, you know, 8% of the, people think this is 100% of the service right here, getting the stuff, when it's only 8% of the experience, right? And all along that way, clues are going off, you have it, and clues are going off. No one really works on the other clues. Everybody thinks it's all about the event. Everybody thinks it's all about eating the food, or playing the golf, or swimming. No one really thinks about everything that leads up to that that tells a story about what's going to happen to you. We forget about that, and we don't care about it. The last day we were there, Steve Jobs came into the room, a bunch of people in the room, a lot of engineers, and uh, he, um, he asked if there's any questions. No one raised their hand. I raised my hand. I said, Mr. Jobs, I have a, I have a question for you. Are you worried about Zoom? Does anybody know what Zoom is? What was Zoom, Miguel? Yeah, MP3 player by uh, Microsoft, right? They spent 60 million bucks bringing this to market, 14 different colors, right around Thanksgiving. They thought it was going to take over the iPod market share, and I thought it was a really good question. And Jobs was, looked at me, you know, was, I asked the question, he was writing something down. He put his pencil down and he stared. And after 10 seconds, which seemed like 10 minutes, right, you say, hey, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to ask you an uncomfortable question. He said, no, you can't ask an uncomfortable question. I did that to make a point. You see, they just make stuff. We bring ours to life. The world isn't about making more noise. It's about being silent. And we all left and said, oh my God, that was amazing, <laughs> right? So can you answer these questions? This is what, this is what Apple does. Are you, how are you original? How are you re relevant? Can you defend it? What are you best first or different at? What should the first experience say? So I go to your club for the very first time and interact with your really nice membership lady or, or guy. How do you want that to go? Like, what are the adjectives? What are the feelings that you want to create from that? Everybody has a beautiful packet. Every one of us has a beautiful packet. Every one of us has beautiful handouts. Every one of us has beautiful facilities. Like, what do you guys want to have happen there? Why are you in business? What's the compelling reason to come back to you other than you're, you have a golf course? We all have them. How many golf courses, Kevin, are there in Florida? Thousand? Well, I mean, I don't know, right? Patagonia. Anybody Patagonia fans in the room like myself? Three of us? No. Four. Come on, Patagonia fans. Four, five, six. In the back of the room, seven, eight. Okay. What is Patagonia? For those of you that may not know. Yeah, it's an outdoor, outdoor sporting company, right? It's owned by a guy by the name of uh, Yvonne Kennard. He's, he's uh, started it in 1972. It's actually set up as a, a, a social trust so it can never be sold. Up until a few years ago, it was about a $200 million company. He just surpassed a billion. 32% of all the outdoor sportswear in the world is sold through Patagonia. So he now has a huge voice. We went there to try to figure out, so 
what is the secret sauce with these guys? And this is San Francisco. You can see San Francisco is a microbus here, right? It's pretty cool. We decided to go, and by the way, all these organizations we studied have a really strong connection to their values and their vision. It's, it's out there. It's something they look at every day. They talk about their customers know. We decided then to drive down to Ventura Beach, California. Why Ventura Beach? Because that is the headquarters for Patagonia. If you haven't been there, there's a Patagonia World Headquarters. There's a little expressway, and then the Pacific Ocean. It's amazing. We checked in. A guy by the name from Detroit, his name was Doug and myself, and we checked in the first time when we go to Patagonia. We're down there to, to everybody remember the view. It was a hybrid view. It was a Saturn SUV. Saturn was the first one to have a hybrid vehicle for General Motors. Yay, right? The first ones. And we wanted to go down and see if Patagonia would put the label on the side of the car. Like L.L. Bean did with Subaru, like Eddie Bauer did for Ford. All right, come on down. We, we go in, and the receptionist at the desk looks up at us, and he says, Hey, dudes. We're like, hey, dude. Like, when have you ever gotten that greeting anywhere in your life, right? Hey, dudes, right? Now we know we're in Southern California. We said, hey, we're with Saturn. Great. They've been expecting you. Why don't you guys have a seat right there? I'll let them know you're here. Great. So we sit down. We're, we're looking at a tabloid. The receptionist then, five, six minutes later, looks over the table and he goes, hey, guys, 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 guys. Come here, come here, come here. You guys ever surf? No, I live in Appleton, he lives in Detroit. Not too much time to surf. He goes, do you want to surf? I was like, surf? Yeah, someday I'd love to try surfing. No, do you want to surf now? It's like, now? we got to meet with these people about this car. He's like, no, they'll never miss us, let's go. I'm like, what? I'm dressed like this, you know, and I'm like, he says, what size are you? I said, I'm large. So he comes back, goes in this little magical closet, comes back with these really, really cool Patagonia Wayfarer, 20-inch shorts. He goes, here, let's go. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, let's go. So literally 20 minutes later, we're walking out of the back door of Patagonia on the way to the beach, and Doug from, from Detroit, Saturn corporate guy, is like, dude, this is really stupid. We are both getting so fired. I can't believe you did this. How am I going to feed my family? This is horrible. We went surfing, bad experience for me, great experience for Surfer Dude. We came back in, we took a shower. He said, hey, they're going to be meeting with you just in a second over here. So we went to this little room and we sat down. And I'm sitting by myself, and who sits down right next to me? Yeah, the receptionist, Surfer Dude. And I'm like, this is so awesome. Like, this company is, like, everybody gets involved in decisions. He goes, hey, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to mislead you. I'm the director of marketing. What they were trying to figure out, you guys, if our culture's connected, if they're transparent, or we're from Ford, we don't want to surf. And do you do that? The people that supply to you, do they believe like you believe? Do they believe in your cause, your why? Or are they just giving you stuff? And if they're just giving you stuff, you need to find somebody else. Because there are people out there, like at Medina, that have figured it out that they're creating this incredible community. And by the way, at Medina, you know what their membership is. Membership is through the roof. And they're about getting ready for the BMW championship. So a business, you guys, is not a brand to be built. It's a cause to be believed in. What is your cause? I don't mean like the environment. What is your cause? What do you guys believe in? Because these great organizations all have a cause.
It's Southwest Airlines, it's fun. Which, by the way, we should talk about. Take a look at this. Oop. Good evening, folks. Welcome aboard Southwest Airlines Flight 372, service to Oklahoma City. Those of you that have flown us before know that we do things a little bit differently here on Southwest. Some of us tell jokes, some of us sing, some of us just stand there and look beautiful. I, unfortunately, can do none of those. So here's the one thing that I do know how to do. We're going to shake things up a little bit. I need a little audience participation. Otherwise, this is not going to go over well at all. So here's what I need, especially you guys in the front because you know what's coming. All right. I need a beat. All right. All I need you to do is stomp and clap and I'm going to do the rest because I just, I've had five flights today and I just cannot do the regular boring announcement again. Otherwise, I'm going to put myself to sleep. So, you guys with me? All right. So, give me a stomp, clap, stomp, clap. Come on, stomp, clap, stomp, clap. They don't beat there. There you go. Keep that going. This is flight 372 on SWA. The flight attendant's on board serving you today. Teresa in the middle, David in the back. My name is David and I'm here to tell you that. Shortly after takeoff, first things first, there's soft drinks and coffee to quench your thirst. But if you want another kind of drink, then just holler. Alcohol and beverages will be $4. If a monster energy drink is your plan, that'll be $3. And you get the whole can. We won't take your cash. You gotta pay with plastic. If you have a coupon, then that's fantastic. We know you're ready to get to new places. Open up the vents, put away your suitcases. Carry on items, go under the seat. In front of you, so none of you have things by your feet. If you have a seat on a roll with the exit, we're going to talk to you, so you might as well expect it. You got to help evacuate in case we need you. If you don't want them, we're going to reseat you. Before we leave, our advice is put away your electronic devices. Fasten your seatbelt, then put your trays up. Press the button to make the seat back raise up. Sit back, relax, have a good time. It's almost time to go, so I'm done with the rhyme. Thank you for the fact that I wasn't ignored. This is Southwest Airlines. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you very much for my beat. I appreciate that. You will not get that on United Airlines, I guarantee. <laughs> no, they don't get on United Airlines. So what do we know by Southwest? Their cause is fun. Their cause is different. They fly 757s like everybody else, right? But they do it in a different way. This is Milwaukee not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. Look at how they decorated it, right, to have fun. What is Southwest Airlines known for? Anybody? Their people. What else? No peanuts, yeah. But they give away little bags of pretzels, right? And little Cokes, right? Like everybody else, right? Here's what they're known for. Oop. Southwest Airlines, we love bags. We love duffel bags, golf bags, small bags. These bags right here, they fly free. I wouldn't pay to fly in here. Why would these airlines charge for bags? Why do you charge for bags? What's a flight without bag fees? Cheaper. Free, 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 free. We love taking care of bags. Bye, bags. We'll see you when you get home. So, so you're a, a number seven carrier in the United States of America, Southwest Airlines. And everybody starts to charge $25, $35 for a bag. And you ask your CFO, what if we start charging? How much money 
will that bring to the organization? Because we have the guys, we have the tugs, we have the infrastructure to make it happen. We're just really taking free money. And that CFO said $425 million to the organization. And you make $600 million a year at the time. What do you say? No. Why? Because it doesn't fit our cause. It doesn't fit who we are. It doesn't fit how we treat people. We are not going to do this. And they came out with that commercial, and it instantly propelled them from number seven to number four, and eventually to number one. And last year, they almost made 1.4, almost $1.5 billion when everybody else, they're all making money, but most of them are struggling. This, this is hard. This takes bravery to do this. To have chickens at your front when you pull into Medina is brave. Because he is way out there on this. There's a lot of the bagel, what was, what was Brett talking about? The bagel discussion, right? The bagel room discussion. There's a lot of that going on with 3,300 members there. Chickens? You're going to have chickens? That's crazy. Yeah, but it's the right thing to do. We're going to also do our own maple syrup. What? And now people are joining that organization because of what they believe. Do you guys see what's happening? So what, what's, how, what are you going to be famous for? Herman Miller, arguably the leading manufacturer of, of office furniture in America. They invented cradle-to-cradle manufacturing, meaning nothing goes in the landfill. They provide the steam to power Holland, Michigan, and Zeeland, Michigan, because they have extra steam, so they provide it. If you drive an Escalade to Herman Miller, you park on the way back. If you drive an electric Tesla or an electric car, Volt, you park in the front. And they're okay with that because they're making the rules if you work there. So they built this place. It's called the Greenhouse. It was a pilot lead building. It was the first lead environmentally sound buildings in America. A guy by the name of Bill McDonough had this brainchild. He was the CEO. When they built it, they didn't realize, but every paper wasp in Michigan was gonna, took it over. So as customers came to this innovation center, they were freaked out by the paper wasps. If you were Herman Miller, what do you do? Do you eradicate the wasps? Do you spray them? No, that doesn't fit the cause. Do you try to, like, at night, let's get rid of all the wasp nests? No, what you do is you hire a brilliant entomologist. Doesn't he look like he's a brilliant entomologist? <laughs> and what that entomologist says is if you guys buy honeybees and bring honeybees, they will take the, the, uh, the food supply of the wasps, and bam, the wasps will leave. Now, you got a bonus. You put in 600,000 honeybees, you get 5,000 pounds of honey. So now what do you do with the honey? You're a furniture manufacturer. When people leave the tour, you give them greenhouse honey. And people never, with a little card about how they protect the environment and everything that they do. And no one ever eats the honey. They leave it on their desk. But it's a constant reminder of what a cool company they are. And they're now number one in the world. And they didn't want to be big. They just wanted to be a small family-owned organization that helped the environment. That's their cause. That's their love. That's how they hug people, right? They believe. So what's your cause and what's your role? I don't mean you got to make honey. You don't got to give honey, but what is it? What, what are you going to do that's different? How many people know Ignaz Semmelweis? How many have heard of that guy? Let me see a show of hands. Put your hands high. Ignaz Semmelweis. Ignaz Semmelweis was a surgeon. He was hired at Vienna General Hospital, which, by the way, at that time was the number one hospital in the entire world. 
Kings and queens went there. Gods and goddesses. Anybody that was somebody went there. They had the best trained surgeons. They had the best uh, techniques. In 1850, Ignaz Semmelweis was hired there, and he was put in charge of the maternity wards. There were two of them. The first ward was run by, by uh, trained professionals, people like himself that had gone through schooling. The second ward was run by midwives, ladies that learned how to give, help people give birth but never went through formal training. After the first six months, he noticed that the death rate of ladies giving birth in the first ward was four times greater than that of ladies giving birth in the second ward. So 400% more women were dying at the hands of trained surgeons, people that went through a lot of schooling, as compared to ladies that just kind of learned as they went. This was a problem for Ignaz because it was his guys that were killing everybody. So what did Ignaz do? Yeah, he went to the second ward. He immersed himself into everything they did for over a year, and he really wrote, let's call it the early process improvement. He wrote down everything that was happening, how long the windows were open, how long the, bed, the, the ladies were in bed, their discharge times, the type of uh, towels they used, everything about their experience. And then he went back. Now this is a year and a half since he started, and he put everything in place in the first ward. What happened? Nothing. He was like scratching his head. How could this be? He waited another six months, so now we're two years into it, of killing four times greater more women in the first ward than the second. So he started to watch. And he watched and he said, it must be in the surgeons. It has something to do with the surgeons. And he watched what the surgeons did. And in 1851, 1852, here's how it went, you guys. You help a lady give birth, you go over to the autopsy room to learn what happened. Because there is no understanding that a, a disease can be brought in from the outside source. The way you took care of diseases back then was by pouring leeches on people and sucking their blood out. So he went back and he said, this, there must be something in their hands. So we got the guys together. And at that time, ladies, it was all trained surgeons, all the guys, right? And he said, okay, guys, we're going to start washing our hands. And what happened and then? When, when he, anybody know what happened in 1853, 1854? when you start asking surgeons to wash their hands? It was like our kids when they were three. No one washed their hands, right? Because the badge of honor was the more blood and guts you had on you, the better the surgeon. So if I came down the hallway and I was completely in red, there's the man, it was a badge of honor. That guy knows what the hell he's doing. Look at how messed up he is, right? So no one wanted to wash their hands. 1855, he now created something that's known Across all the health communities is called the Semmelweis solution. 50% liquid chlorine, 50% liquid lime juice. He mixed them together. As the surgeons were leaving the first ward, he was like, put out your hands. He'd squirt the stuff in their hands, put it together. Overnight, instant success. He has figured out germ theory. He has discovered germ theory. He is the father of germ theory, that germs can be introduced from an outside source into the body. So he's all excited. So he goes down with his findings to the administration. What does the administration do? They fire him. Because you do not mess with doctors. They are everything. They know everything. You're crazy, Ignaz. And they sent him packing to Budapest, where he was hired at Budapest General. He now created the same experience. He could compress it now, because he knew exactly what was going on. 1854, uh, 1855, 1856. At the end of that experience, the administration had had enough of them. They said, you're nuts. They sent him packing to Perth, Austria, which was his hometown, where he was hired as the chief medical officer at the local rural hospital in Perth. After three weeks of being there, 
The administration said, I've had enough of this guy. They committed him to a mental institution. And Ignaz Semmelweis, the father of germ theory, is killed at the hands of the guards four weeks later. Because he's crazy. So why is this relevant? Why does Mayo Clinic tell that to every one of their employees every year? On their campuses in Phoenix and in, in, in Rochester and in, in Florida. Why do they do that? Because in 1861, you guys, there was, a, there was a war. And it was called the Civil War. And the first white paper was not written on germ theory until when? 1870. So our forefathers, the people that died in Gettysburg and Vicksburg and Atlanta and Cassville, 36% of them died of what? Gangrene, an infection. He could have saved their lives if someone was just listening. But everybody had the answers. Everybody had been in the business forever. Everybody didn't want to look outside of what they know. And everyone wanted to change because change is hard and it takes bravery. So, we got two minutes, Beth? Okay, I want to show you this real quick. Take a look at this. Germany Mania, turn it up just a bit. Called spin the dial. So that's John Dillinger, Public Enemies. Everybody see the movie? I was watching that movie with my family and I was like, man, this is crazy. That was 1934. Banks haven't changed. They haven't changed. You look at the teller lines, right? It's the same as it's always been. They had it, you guys. They had the whole juice. They had the emotional connection. How do I know that? Because when I was a little kid, my dad on Saturdays would take me to the car wash and we'd go get the dry cleaning and we'd go see Shirley the teller and get some money. And I loved Shirley. She'd look at me and know my name and ask about what I was doing and give me a sucker and I couldn't wait to see Shirley. And then they invented these things and for 15 bucks anybody could buy a Shirley. And they took a commoditized product or a, a really emotional product, and they commoditized it, and they focused on price. And I'm walking along in Chicago, and we run into this place. It's called a cafe. Anybody been there? There's six of them. And you order your stuff, and then you sit, and you watch football, or you look at the newspaper. You can do whatever you want. This guy comes up that we ordered our stuff from. He goes, hey, where are you guys from? I was like, I'm from Appleton. Where are you from? He goes, I, I'm, I'm out east, but I'm here for the University of Chicago. I'm like, really, what did you do there? He goes, I just got my MBA. Anybody know the story of the MBA at the University of Chicago? Second to like Northwestern, Harvard, and Yale, and a couple others, most difficult school to get into in, in the country, about a 7 8% acceptance rate, right? And I was like, good for you, man. I high-fived him, right? I'm like, that is awesome. What are you going to do? And he said, what do you mean, what am I going to do? I said, well, like, is it a coffee shop? Are you going to be a barista? I didn't want to offend him, right? Every, cool, every guy's journey is their own, right? Whatever you want to do. He just spent 250 grand, though, getting that, that degree. I said, what are you going to do? Are you going to work in a cafe or run these? Or what are you going to do? He goes, sir, you're not in a cafe. You're in a bank. I'm like, I'm in a bank? 
Customers don't even know their customers in this place, right? Welcome to ING Cafe. No teller transactions, no weird people looking at you through glass when you walk in, no check writing stations, no big vault, right? Completely different experience. And oh, by the way, in 2018, they captured 52% of the market. Welcome to Tangerine, which was called ING, now Tangerine is a Dutch company. You now see Citibank following their lead. You guys seen the Citibank commercials? Come on in, have coffee, right? The whole deal, because they're out of ideas. They're going right back to the emotions. This is New York City. If you've been there, it looks like a deli, right? Look at the, bicy the bicycle hanging. So here's my question summary. Why does everybody do it the same way? Who gave you the rule book that said you have to do it this way? Why do airlines or electronic companies or financials or even private clubs, why do you guys do it the same way? I don't get it. The industry leaders, the people that we've talked about this afternoon, the apples of the world, the, the Patagonias of the world, they don't care about anybody else. They just care about themselves. The Medinas of the world. Let's get about 40 chickens. Really? Yeah. Okay. Let's just get 40 chickens. Let's go. I mean, think about the changes, right, that were happening. Think about Ignaz Semmelweis and the changes that he made. If he just would have lived, right, the changes he would have made to all of our lives. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this has been helpful. Beth, thank you so much for the invitation. Thanks for listening. This has been Education Elevated on the FLCMA Podcast Network. Download other episodes on a myriad of different topics for anyone in your club or organization, regardless of their job title or description. We'll see you next time.